Now, you know, if you weren't here last night, oh, you missed half your life, man, last night, man. Woo! Man, that surprised me. I, I say, oh, that scared me, and I'm fearless. But uh, last night was amazing, amazing anointing of the Holy Ghost, the blessing of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it's just going to get better tonight, amen? Getting better, getting gooder, praise the Lord. Uh, all the books, all the CDs, all the stuff back there, and you know, all the CDs and stuff, all you have to do is download the Mark Hankins Ministries app. Just download that app on your phone. All that stuff is on there free. The app is free. All the mess is on there free. All the TV programs are on there free. Um, I don't know if you watched uh, this week. We're on uh, Brother Copeland's broadcast with with Brother Copeland, me and Trina, teaching on the spirit of faith. And uh, so that's a fun time this week. And uh, and all that stuff is on the app. So you can, uh, you can go to the website or you can just download the app and you have it on your phone all the time. So if you don't want to buy CDs, but uh, all CDs, everything's half price. And uh, so uh, this book is the newest thing we got here. And uh, it is a quote book, you know, where you got like, uh, you got like... <laughs> You got quotes. Uh, you say, which one is your favorite chapter? Because we have quotes on. Um, let me see what the subjects are here. But we, we did one about uh, 10 years ago or something, maybe even 20 years ago. And so we've come up with so many more things since then. So we got a new book now. So we've got a chapter on faith, a chapter on confession, chapter on who you are in Christ, a chapter on righteousness, chapter on the blood, chapter on the Holy Spirit, chapter on the joy of the Lord, chapter on the love of God, chapter on honor, and a chapter on generosity. Amen. And so whenever you want to take a break, then you just stop. Here's the in Christ chapter, one of my favorite chapters, all the in Christ quotes. Uh, so here's a couple of them. What happened in Christ is greater than anything that's ever happened to you. Uh, God's work in Christ far exceeds any damage done to us by Adam's fall, which is a quote from uh, Romans 5.20, Lavoch translation. This one of my favorites is God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. Our identification with Christ demands an identical confession of faith. In other words, your identification with Christ requires a confession, but the word confession means to say the same thing, to agree with. So your identification with Christ requires that confession. In other words, you're going to have to say it. Let's try that one more time. I said, you're going to have to say it. In other words, word of faith works by speaking, you know, so it's not enough just to know it. You're going to have to say it. In other words, you're words of faith, and so so this is on uh, confessing, declaring who you are in Christ. Uh, God put into Christ everything he wanted you to have. Uh, the devil knows if he can challenge your identity, he can hinder your destiny. Um, when you acknowledge who Jesus is, he will tell you who you are. Amen. Well, that's a, uh, Matthew 16. Um, let's see... Uh, the great I am made me who I am. Amen. <laughs> As a believer, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from, from victory, who you are in Christ. 
uh, the same power that's in the actual events of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, same power that's in the events is actually in the message. Amen. So the devil's just as afraid of the message as he is of the event. Also, I said uh, the devil is just as intimidated by the, the word of his power, the message of the gospel. He's just as defeated by the message as he was in the event. So what happened in the resurrection of Christ, the tremendous power that was released there is actually in the gospel itself. Amen. So when you uh, declare the gospel or you preach the gospel or teach the gospel, or just speak the gospel, your confession of the gospel. It contains what? The same power. Amen. That's right. I said it contains the same power that's in the event. In other words, God designed words that can contain the same power that he has. Okay? All right. Um, God actually likes people to brag about who they are in Christ. If you're going to brag about something, that would be the best thing to brag about, right? Um, if you believe God is everything the Bible says he is, you must also believe you're everything the Bible says you are. Hmm. God has a reputation for working with some real losers. God has a reputation for working with some real losers and making them champions. Yes. In other words, it's a common thing with God to pick people that are losers or failures, and he gets he delights in, do, in working with nobodies. He won't make them somebody. So, the fact that God's blessing you lets us know where you came from. <laughs> Come on, you were a nobody before Jesus. Now you got Jesus, and you were somebody. All right. Let's see here. God was working in Christ, but he was working on us. In other words, he was working in Christ, but he was not working on Christ. He's working in Christ, but he's really working on us. Uh, the four Gospels tell you what happened to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul's letters tell you what happened in Christ. The four Gospels are a photograph. Paul's letters are an x-ray. Wow, Same picture, just a different kind of picture. Amen. Amen. Well, the key to the Gospel is in the prepositions. Number one phrase used by the Apostle Paul is the two words in Christ or in him or in whom. So Arthur S. Way, in his translation of Paul's letters, he said the, the key to the Gospels in the prepositions. He said, but the English language was not constructed for a preposition to carry the kind of weight that the Gospel calls upon it to carry. So the prepositions break down under the weight and go almost unnoticed. Well, when he said the key to the Gospels in the prepositions, and you weren't paying attention in English class. <laughs> so to keep the gospels in the prepositions, then he just said, here's prepositions, little words like for, with, in, through, and by 
are prepositions. A preposition is simply a connecting word that connects nouns and pronouns and shows their relationship in whatever verb or action is going on. So a lot of times people never even notice the most powerful phrases in Paul's letters are in Christ, in him, and yet it's only a preposition in the word Christ. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. So uh, to translate the two words when really they're a technical term in Paul's letters, so they encourage translators not to translate the two words because the two words are a key that unlock all of Paul's revelation. So the only uh, way you would translate it, now you could say it this way. So the preposition is everything Jesus did, he did it for. For, where's the preposition? For, everything Jesus did, he did it for or in our behalf. For us. And said to the credit of our account, like we were with him. And now we are in him. Come on, you just look a lot better in him than you do outside him. So now you're in him, and there's 130 in Christ scriptures. Come on, in most churches you'd go to, you'd have a hard time getting one sermon a year out on that subject. But that's the key to Paul's letters is the two words, in Christ. So we learned that from Dad Hagen that he told when I was 17 years old, and he said, there's many ways to study the Bible. And, and the reason people come up with some of the stuff they come up with is they don't study the Bible right. In other words, you study the Bible in the light of redemption. And if everything you study about the Bible don't start and end with the death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, that's the center of theology is what happened on the cross. So everything you study, you, you can't leave that out. In other words, what happened on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, actually is the center, really, of geography and theology. All right, so if you're going to study the Bible, you have to study the Bible in the light of redemption. Or you could waste a lot of time in Leviticus. You may not have that much time to get healed and delivered, you know. Are y'all still with me here? So uh, everything Jesus did, he did it for us, said to the credit of our account that we were identified with him. And now because of being with him, we were there. Amen. What happened there, now we are in, preposition in, God sees us in him which means you have the same identical access in him as he has. So if you're not impressed with who you are in Christ, you just have not seen him lately. So you're going to have to have some revelation, knowledge, so that it doesn't become a theological lesson. So Dad Hagen said, if you're going to study the Bible, he said, do you go through Paul's letters? which is Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. You read Paul's letters, and every time you see the two words in Christ, in him, or in whom, you circle, circle those two letters, those two words, I'm sorry. Circle those two words every time you see in Christ, in him, in whom. You circle it. He said there's about 130. 
So when I was 17 years old, I just came home from school every day and told my mama, don't bother me for the next two hours. She was thrilled, actually, because I'd just gotten out of jail with my friends. So, so I said, don't bother me the next two hours. I'm going to be studying the Word. And so that's the way I studied it, is I just circled in Christ. And he said, now write those scriptures down, because that describes something you are and something you have. Not something you're trying to be, not something you're someday going to be, not something you're struggling to be, but it's something you got now because you are in union with or engrafted into Christ. Your spirit is joined in. Thank you, Lord. Y'all still here? And so if you want to you study the significant part of what you'd call the scriptures in, in redemption, then you have to study the two words in Christ, in him, in whom. And um, here, here's kind of the way... Uh, well, a phenomenal thing happened now, 17, and I was reading Luke chapter 4. So I read Luke chapter 4, and that's where Jesus' first sermon is. His first sermon was so bad. So good. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. So my first sermon wasn't that bad. Nobody wanted to throw me off a cliff. But Jesus' first sermon was so bad, they want to throw him off a cliff. I'm just cutting up. But anyway, Jesus' first sermon Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and it says he turned in the book of Isaiah to Isaiah 61, we know. He turned to Isaiah 61. Jesus opened the book and found the place where it was written. Y'all still here? He opened the book, found the place written, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. This scripture is me. And then Jesus said, and the whole volume of the book is written about me. In other words, Jesus laid aside his deity powers when he became a man. And he literally had to study and grow in wisdom. So Jesus actually found himself in the scriptures. So for you to find your identification with Christ, you look up in Christ's scriptures and you say, now that scripture is talking about me. Well, they wanted to kill Jesus over that. But when you find the scripture say that's talking about me, then Jesus sat down. That's he's the Messiah. So you tell people, you find 130 in Christ scriptures, and you say, that scripture is talking about me. I just found myself in Colossians chapter one. Come on, because you ain't nobody else going to tell you who you are. You can't find yourself in Ancestry.com. Come on. You can't find yourself in your genetics, you know, in your environment, you know, produce what you are. Come on. And your experiences made you what you are. No, you are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. So you're the workmanship of God. In other words, God was working in Christ, but he wasn't working on Christ. In Christ, he's working on you. So through the death, the cross, the burial, the resurrection of Christ is, is you found yourself there in him. Amen. Well, you know, when you're 17, I mean, you... 
you don't know where to find yourself. You know, you're either on television, you try to be like some uh, gangster, or you try to think you're, you know, you're a cowboy, you know, or you think you're going to be a hippie. Come on. you got all kinds of identities floating around. Come on, and the devil will tag you with one or two of them. But when you find out who Jesus is, he'll say, now let me tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you. Don't let nobody else tell you who you are. In other words, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. So the, the key to the gospel is in the what? In the what? It's a preposition. So that's why you don't, you don't always, you know, just read paraphrases of the Bible. You know what I mean by paraphrase? I, I could name a few of them, but, but there's a lot of good paraphrases of the scriptures that you can read. But, but if you want to read a legal covenant document, the King James carries the technical terms. And the paraphrases erase the terms. See, they want to try to talk to the layman. Well, sure, you can learn some things from certain paraphrases, but you better find your technical terms in King James translation where you have a, it's really a covenant legal document, and that's why people have trouble reading it. Right? Is it like, well, uh, you know, what's all that mean? Well, the, it, it contains certain phrases that let you into certain systems. So if you wanted to think like the Apostle Paul, he's going to let you into that system of his revelation with just the two words in Christ. So prepositions are the key to the gospel. Everything Jesus did, he did it what? For. All right, let me give you some four examples because some of y'all hadn't lit up yet. So, <clears throat> you know, if you don't ever get lit, I mean... Uh, you got wet wood or something's going on in there. So, so you, you got uh, uh, Hebrews 9, 12, which is phenomenal scripture where it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place and he obtained eternal redemption. What's the last two words? For us. See, there's your, there's your preposition. In other words, Jesus with his own blood entered in once and for all time into the heavenly holy place and he secured our eternal redemption and he did all of that for us, for you in our behalf. He did it for us. Come on, he, uh, he redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for for us in our behalf. Come on, he is made to be sin for us that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. Boy, y'all ought to get happy already, man. I'm going to say, man, I tell you, woo, if he did that for us, man, I've been made the righteousness of God in him. What, what, yeah, and sometimes people will say this, and it's all right if you want to say it. They'll say, God declared us righteous. Well, he sure did, but he actually made you righteous. All right, we'll do both of those. He declared you righteous, not guilty, or sin would be in absolute remission. You know what the remission means? It means a cancellation of penalty, removal of guilt. 
And there's different kinds of remission. In other words, the New Testament word for the blood covenant is remission. Old Testament word is forgiveness. Forgiveness is wonderful, but remission is better. So remission, so you have uh, the remission of sin, but also you have molecular remission where there's no evidence you ever had the situation. There's not one molecule left. Old things passed away, everything became new. So you have the remission of sin, all right? So everything Jesus did, he did what? For us, set to the credit of our account, like we were there. So we were identified with him. One man got us in this mess, and one man got us out of this mess. One man, Adam, got us in. Come on. And so God just made another Adam, the last Adam, amen? Amen. So Jesus is not only our redeemer, but he is also the firstborn from the dead and the archetype of a new kind of humanity. So you are now, you know, the Christian, one translation says you are a Christ person. So God took whatever's in Christ and he put it, come on, in every believer, same life, same righteousness, same authority, same blessing. And so really for your faith to function, it's got to begin there. Yes, it does. All right, let's try it one more time. I said for your your faith, your authority as a believer to function, it's got to function there from your identification with Christ. Come on, with water baptism and the Lord's Supper. Come on, and you you take his blood and you take his body and you're in union with Christ. God sees you in Christ. Amen. He sees you through the blood and you have the, listen now, the same identical access All right, we'll use the word access, access. Come on, Ephesians 3.12 and Ephesians 2.18 is the word access. Come it's no good to have something you, don't, you can't access. Yeah, you don't know how to get it out, right? How are you going to access it? Well, how many ever tried to get something out, you know, and, and you forgot your uh, pen number? Come on, have you ever tried doing some of those? You forgot your pen number or whatever, your code, you know, your, what, your, what do they call it, your personal code? How many of you ever forgot your personal code? Hey, this is the worst thing in the world if you forget your code. I mean, you're like, you're like, okay, here's my name, you know, here's my email, and now what's your code, you know, and you're like, well, code, you know. And then they go, wrong. Come on, I was doing one the other day, and I had to have somebody help me. They're like, call. Come on, call New York City or something. Call somebody. I got to get access here. And so then they finally said, actually, you need uh, so many numbers. Then you need so many letters, one small case, one, uh, come on, uh, capital. And then you need at least a couple of symbols, and you need some blood from your grandpa. Or you ain't getting in, baby. You just ain't getting in. You don't have no access. Oh, I'm glad God didn't make it that hard. Amen. I said, I'm glad God didn't make it that hard. 
Amen. In other words, because of the blood of Jesus, you've been given access in Christ with boldness and confidence right into the presence of the Father God, and God looks at you in Christ through the blood like you never did nothing wrong. You ain't, come on, he didn't bring you in there to correct you. You came in there to make a withdrawal because you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So you come in and say, I got access, baby. I know when I got my access. In Christ, I got my access. He's still here. So Christ means the anointed one. Let's try it again here. Come on, Christ. In Christ. In the anointed one. In Christ. In the anointed one. His anointing. So let me tell you this. It's a very strong anointing here last night. Every time you get in the anointing, every time you receive the anointing, are y'all still here? I said, every time you know a touch from the anointed. Come on, the woman with your blood, 12 years, she only had one touch. She didn't get no hug. Come on, she just had one touch. No counseling session. She just had one touch. She did not have a reserved seat on the front row. She just had one touch, baby. And, and she didn't even get a, she didn't even get no skin. She just touched the hem of his garment. And the, the anointing came out of him and went into her and erased 12 years of misery in one touch. Come on now. 12 years of misery in one touch. Boy, how frustrated the devil must be if one touch from Jesus can erase 12 years of misery. One touch from the master. One touch of the anointing. Praise the Lord. Come on, drive sickness out of your body. Come on, everything that wasn't working right started working right, and new life came into her, and she's like, I got a touch from Jesus. Mom, man, I got a touch from Jesus. Boy, you, you have a touch from him every day because you got access. The anointing. So it becomes pretty essential for you and I to understand how to receive the anointing. You know, it is essential to know how to receive the word and meekness, humble yourself and receive the word like God's talking to you, not like the preacher's talking to you. I used to have a guy in my church, first church I pastored, and, you know, he, he was older than me. I was probably, what, 23 years old, first church I pastored. And a skinny and had afro and had bell-bottom blue jeans and stuff like that. And, but I was pastor, man. But so I had these older people in there, and they were on the board and stuff. So they kind of, you know, thought they kind of over me. You know, they introduce you, this is our little preacher. So I kind of let them know right off. I am not your little preacher. Are y'all saying another word? <laughs> uh, Jesus ascended upon high and he gave gifts unto men and he gave me a gift to come and preach the word to you and you better receive the word like Jesus is talking to you, not somebody 23 years old. So this guy, he liked to kind of challenge me, you know, and I'm like, look, buddy. 
I just stare at him. You know, trying to challenge me. My daddy pastored 50 years in a little town of 3,000 people, and his church had 2,000. That's a true story. I mean, 2,000 people in his church. So I know how to deal with a knothead. I know how to be friendly. But I also know when people are trying to challenge, not me, but the anointing. You have just challenged the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Are y'all still here? So now I will not tolerate that. No more. And so, so he was staring. So he'd stare. So I just kind of let him know, I don't work for you. You can't afford me. You don't have enough money to afford me. I work for Jesus, and he's the only one that can pay me appropriately. In other words, and he takes care of me, man, and he pays good overtime. That's who I work for. So I ain't scared about making you sad or glad or mad. I mean, in other words, I'm going to feed you the word. So, But I'm carrying that anointing. So he liked to challenge me, and so one day I was preaching, and he and he looked up there, and the Lord showed him a vision, and I had two angels on either side of me. Wow. 23 years old and two angels. That shut him up for the rest of his life. Wow. You want to talk to me? You might want to talk to the big guy behind me. In other words, in other, <laughs> in other words the anointing is so valuable. Come on, whether it's a 17-year-old or a 23-year-old, come on, or an 80-year-old or a 90-year-old, you recognize the anointing. Amen. How to receive the anointing. So Jesus is the anointed one. So if you're going to get out of theology and get into the reality Well, I feel like slapping somebody right now. So you're going, if you're going to have to get out of the theology and get into the reality uh, of your redemption and who you are in Christ and the healing that belongs to you and the blessing that belongs to you, you have to recognize and receive the anointing. Come on, I cannot lay hands on you and you're like a dead doorknob. Come on, a piece of wood sitting there. Come on, because you've got your peanut brain working. God ain't no brain. God is a spirit. Come on, he's the spirit of God. And if you can't receive the anointing, you can't receive nothing else. Come on, amen. Come on, you can't go any further than how you receive the anointing. Amen. So I, I'll be preaching. I feel the anointing. Just like if I was laying hands on people, I feel the anointing right now. So he received the anointing. Come on, some people receive the anointing. Other people, all you get to slap in the head. But if you know what an anointing is, that anointing does, listen, that anointing immediately brings you into your identity and your identification with Christ. That you you are not what your mama made you. You're not what the past made you. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ. And you receive the anointing. Come on, and it's that identity that will propel you to your destiny. I don't, I don't think like NBC, ABC, CBS, or Fox News. I don't think like the world thinks. Come on, I'm a new kind of creature that never existed before. How can I think like the world thinks? 
<laughs> the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And the great thing about it is you can actually get a fresh anointing. I don't know if I should tell you all this or not, but you can actually get a double portion. I don't know. I don't know. Come on, Elisha said, I, I tell you, I, I don't just want what you got. Come on, I'm glad to serve here. I don't just want what you got. I'll have double what you got. I'll have twice as much of whatever you got. I want twice as much. Come on, he didn't rebuke him. He said, you can have it. You can have it if you'll be there. You can have it if you can see me when I go up. You can have a double dose, a double portion of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the fire of God. Ha ha. Come on. Come on, take you beyond ancestry.com. Are y'all still here? Come on. Amen. The time came. I was 17, 18 years old. And I said, I got him. I said, I'd like to announce something. I am no longer my dad's son. God sent me here to function in this office. So if you keep thinking I'm just, my dad's name is Billy Bob from Texas, Billy Bob. So if you just think I'm Billy Bob's son, you'll never receive the word because you're just thinking, listen, Jesus didn't get up and say, remember me, I'm Joseph, my mama's Mary. Come on, we have this uh, place we make furniture down the road. He said, no, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. That's who I am. That's what I have. I know who I am. Come on, so you got to be more than just who your daddy is or who your mama is. Come on. You got to be more than just that. You got to say, no, I know the call of God, the hand of God. Come on, I am a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. Woo! Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and laugh for a minute. Say, ha, ha. Some of y'all hadn't been anointed in 12 months. I mean, some of y'all hadn't been anointed in a couple of years. You just gathered some new information. That's all you got. You gathered some new information. Listen to me, you camel breath. You got a little more information that has taken you nowhere. But if you learn how to receive the anointing, it'll light up all the information you got and bring you to the realm of revelation. Oh, man, it'll light you up. Come on, you lost the anointing. Woo, you got to make room for the Holy Ghost. Wigglesworth said, I'd rather have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. 
Come on, do you know that anointing? Listen, and if you, you ever sense that, where, where is that anointing? Where is that what I used to have? Come on, where, if you ever sense that, you're like, how am I going to get that back? I don't care what it takes, I'm going to have to get that anointing back. If i got to spend some time fasting, praying, if i got to go to a meeting where they're slapping everybody on the head, i got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's what I run on. It is that anointing. That comes from Christ, the Messiah. And it's that anointing that erases every other identity you have. Oh, go ahead and laugh about that. Come on, you ain't the sick one. You ain't the scared one. You ain't ain't the struggling one. Come on. Glory to God. I was made... (laughs) That's a triumph of Christ. Woo! Woo. Ha ha! Come on, you open your Bible and you say, I just found myself right there I am. Right there I am. In other words, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't do it. I didn't produce it. I didn't struggle about it. God made that true. God is the one that produced it. Workmanship of God. Go ahead and just laugh for a minute and say, devil. Y'all excuse me. I might be preaching out of turn here, but uh, that's my meeting. I can preach when I want. Listen. Say. So, <laughs> The devil will challenge your identity every chance he has, and he'll say, if you are a child of God, if you are righteous, if you are healed, if you are blessed, then I want to know why you're going through that situation. Never let your struggle become your identity. You say, I might be having a challenge, but let me tell you who I am. By the grace of God, I know who I am. Woo! I'm whole and fast. Ha ha. Sit back down. So he says, now my confession, my profession... Actually, they use the word profession. Actually, the same identical word as confession. Hebrews 4.14, hold fast your confession. Mm-hmm. Profession. But it's really the same word, same Greek word. That's used in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Wonder how important Romans 10, 9 and 10 is. I just wonder. I just wonder. It's very important. <laughs> I just wonder how important Romans 10, 9 and 10 is. <laughs> Come on, it, it is the one confession that'll keep you out of hell. It's yeah. the one confession that is your ticket, hallelujah, to eternal life. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth, come on, that Jesus is Lord. Come on, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved, delivered, restored, and healed. Amen. Saved. Everybody say, I'm saved. Jesus is my Lord. For with the heart, come on, man believes unto righteousness. And with the what? Mouth. 
Confession is made unto salvation. So Paul says that initial confession, and all that word means is to say the same thing. So you got a choice what you're going to say. Silence is not one of the choices. You know, what you're going to say, you're going to have to say something about it. And what your confession is either going to say the same thing that God says about you, Come on, are you going to agree with whatever the enemy says or however you feel or whatever you're going through? That's true. So he says, hold on tight. Hold fast to your confession. Without wavering, he is faithful, that promise. Hold on tight. Don't turn loose of it. What is your confession? And he says, profession, which means you're going to have to be a professional. See, if you're just an amateur, come on, you just practice your faith on the weekends if you're an amateur. But if you're a professional, that means you live by it. That means you can make a living at it because you're a professional. If you're an amateur, you're just going to have to keep your regular job. But if you're a professional, come on, man. I mean, come on. If you somebody's going to do heart surgery for you, you don't want them driving up with a trailer and a lawnmower in the back, man, and they say, they say, well, I do this on the side. No, no. I want the guy in the Mercedes coming up there. Come on now. I want that guy. Come on, I want the guy that flew in on a jet. That's who I want to listen to because he, he got something working for him if he flew in on a jet. Amen. Come on, I'm not intimidated by the jet. I'm just glad. Come on, he don't have a trailer with a lawnmower in the back. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, you become a professional at faith. Come on, I ain't selling nothing on the side. Come on, I said, I ain't selling nothing on the side. I ain't selling no vitamins or nothing like that on the side. We ain't selling no phone deals and and no insurance on the side. I'm a professional. I make a living by faith. Come on, I have faith in God. Come on. Come on, I said, I'm a professional at faith. Anything else I do, I mix faith with it because everything I do, I do it by faith. Well, you ought to get happy already. In other words, this this is the victory that overcomes the world. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, I ain't going back, you know, to, to, to doing yards. I ain't going back. The driving bus, you know, Leroy Thompson, the Lord said, did I tell you drive bus? I ain't going back. He started driving a bus. No, I ain't going back to driving no bus. Now, <laughs> y'all still here? So to be a professional at faith. I mean, your faith works. 
I said, well, come on, living by faith, this is the victory. Now, I told you about my grandson, Gavin. Huh? G-Money. Gavin. He's grown up now, but when he is about, what, three or four years old. So we have a swimming pool in the backyard, back of our house. So we got eight grandkids, so I, make, I pay for all of them to go to swimming lessons. And uh, then I watch them, you know, have a fence around it, child locked, everything. And um, so Gavin, he went to a few swimming lessons, so, you know, he came and told me, I can swim, Poppy, I can swim. I can swim, Poppy. His dad was with him. They ran up. I happened to be standing out by the pool when they first came to my house. So I'm standing out by the pool. I have to be standing by the diving board at the, the deep end. And so they came around and said, Poppy, Poppy. Hey, Gavin, he can swim now. I said, really? Because I knew he couldn't swim. I watched him. <laughs> he swam in a shallow end. But anybody can swim in a shallow end. They don't call that swimming. We call that walking. <laughs> so I happened to be what? On the deep end right there. I said, is that right? He can swim. Is that right? Well, no sense of me arguing about it because I already tried to tell him he can't swim. So you just want to argue, okay? Don't argue. We'll just end all argument right now. So his daddy said, he can really swim, Pop. He can really swim. Well, that's a great encouraging word, very positive. <laughs> but we ain't looking for positive. Come on, we're looking for swimming. Yeah. Cute little guy, you know, so I... So I just grabbed him, and I, and, we were, and I just grabbed Gavin. And I, I just threw him in the deep end right there. So just like that, I just took Gavin. I went, show Poppy how you can swim. I put him in the water. <laughs> so his dad, I could see his dad surprised, and I thought, why, why, why are you surprised? <laughs> he kind of looked like he was scared. I'm, why are you afraid? You told me how good he can swim, and here we're fixing to see how he can swim. And little Gavin, he was sinking. He kept going down, down. And he was making swimming motions the whole time. But, you know, making swimming motions ain't swimming. See, people making faith motions all the time. But uh, come on, if, you, if you're sinking, come on now. You better find out whether you can swim or not. We ain't just being positive around it. Come on, so there you go. So I turned to his dad. I said, if I was you, I'd jump in there and save him. <laughs> he hands me his phone, his wallet, and he jumps in and pulls Gavin up. He wasn't hurt. He just spitting out water and stuff. And I, you know what I said? I said, now you take him back to swimming lessons, and there will be another test. He said, why? Because I don't want him to fall in when I'm not watching. I'm here watching right now, but I, I don't want him to ever fall in when I'm not watching. So you go back to your lessons. Hmm. A lot of times people won't even take no faith lessons. They're like, I don't need no more lessons. I don't need no faith lessons. I already can swim in the shallow end. We see you splashing around in the shallow end. But if you ever get into the deep end, 
Are y'all still here? When you ever get in the deep end, you'll wish you would have taken those in Christ scriptures and underlined them and circled those and said, I need to make my confession right now. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> Are y'all still with me here? And so your confession is made before possession. Made unto salvation. So basically you're confessing something that hadn't even happened yet. And people say, oh, I can't say that. I'll say that would be lying. Not if you're agreeing with God because he can't lie. So what is your confession? And nowadays most people, they think you're just your failure, your weakness. But what is your confession of faith? So instead of asking people how they're feeling, you ask them, what is your confession? <laughs> Instead of asking people how they're feeling, come on. Come on. Don't give them an opportunity to come on, talk about the devil and everything that's going on in their life. Come on, what is your confession of faith? What is your confession? So you give them an opportunity to do what? To agree with God. Does that mean you don't have no feelings? No, you got feelings. I know you got feelings, you weirdo. I know you got feelings. You understand? People got all kinds of feelings. You could have 38 different feelings before you have your coffee in the morning. Listen, so I'm not talking about your feelings. Coffee might take away 10 of them, but you still got 28 you got to deal with. In other words, you got all kinds of feelings. How many of y'all had at least 38 feelings in before coffee in the morning? You're like, well, but we walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, we live in the light of redemption and the word of God. So what is my confession of faith? Right? So you're not denying that you... That's all right, you know, if you get blessed, go ahead and get blessed. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're not denying that you don't have no feelings. How many of y'all married? How many ever didn't feel like you was married? That don't make no difference. He's confessing he's married. I mean, it looks like we're going to have to arrange it. We're going to have to arrange it for him because... He can't seem to take the leap, you know, and so we're going to have to help him out, I think. So, <laughs> you, know, you married whether you feel like it or not. You say, well, I just don't feel like I love them anymore. Well, just take a number and get in line. They don't feel like they love you neither. That's not the way that you did your marriage, you know, and you just, the guy, you know, I've done a lot of weddings. You never said to him, say, so do y'all feel like you would like to be married and y'all feel like, you know, you love each other now? Do you feel like you want to say this now? So I, I feel like I'm going to pronounce you man and wife if you feel like it. Amen. 
If you don't believe you're married, wait till they start splitting your stuff up 50% each way. More than that, if you've got kids, I mean, you might have to learn to love this person. Are you going to go broke, I'm telling you? You'll be working till you die. Come on, taking Uber to work, man. I'm telling you, you better learn to love that person. You say, I love you, man. Let's go fix yourself up or something. Here's some money. Anyways, I'm... <laughs> So, so your, your feelings, so God's not denying you have no feelings. Come on. God bless you. You know, I used to do that when I was a kid. You know, we'll give you one or two more years of that, and then we'll slap you if we see you doing that. Anyway, so but there's even adults that can't get their eyes off their phone for an hour or another church. So, so your, your confession, right, Hebrews 4.14, praise the Lord. God bless you. <laughs> Hebrews 4.14. Hold fast your confession of faith. And then what's the next verse say? So we do not have a high priest who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like we are without sin. Wow, so that Jesus actually was tempted in all points. He overcame in all points. Come on, and he is touched with your feelings. But what did he tell you to do? Hold fast to your confession of faith. He didn't tell you to talk about your feelings. <laughs> he didn't say, okay, now you can just talk about your feelings. No, no, he said, hold fast to your confession of faith. So, if somebody asks you how you're feeling, what do you say? I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. Come on, you can have all kinds of feelings in one day. And Jesus was tempted with every kind of feeling, and he overcame in all points. And you got his life on the inside of you. You were identified with him, with the master. Come on. So you say, I see, got the same feeling, but Jesus overcame that feeling, and I'm overcoming that feeling also. I'm overcoming by the blood of Jesus. In other words, my confession... My confession connects me to my identification. Hallelujah. 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 So there's 130 in Christ's scriptures. So surely you could find like five or ten. Let's try that again. I said, surely you could find five or 10 if there's 130. I mean, you could find five or 10 in Christ's scriptures. Come on. Oh, man. Come on. You should have at least five favorite ones right now. Say, I got five right now. I got five right now. The rest of you, where's my Bible at, honey? Give me my Bible. Man, if you've got to find your Bible to find your top five favorite scriptures, what are you going to do with the other scriptures? You ain't even your favorites, and you can't even find them. So your top five in Christ scriptures, wow. You want, you want five? I know y'all are thinking, oh, that's <laughs> 
Well, you, do, you can't start anywhere better than 2 Corinthians 5.17. That if any man. See, the apostle Paul calls himself a man in Christ. I knew a man in Christ. Whether in the body, out of the body, I could not tell. Such a one was given access to the third heaven. Come on, imagine what God's given you access to. Because a man in Christ, Paul describes himself. And then he said, and if any man be in Christ. So he's not just saying, I'm a special case. He says, whatever's true of me is true of any person that is in Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, in him, in the anointed one and his anointing. Come on, and every time that anointing comes, your spirit goes, whoop! That came from a homeland. I know where that came from, you know. Come on, my spirit joined to Christ. Amen? And so, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, when you got saved, you got born again, you got refathered, you received eternal life. It is that life that makes you a new creature. Well, I don't know if anybody's going to get happy or not tonight, but it is that life. God gave you the same life that he gave to Christ, the same life with which he quickened him. He gave us the same identical life that he gave to Christ. That's a spiritual substance. There's a river of it that flows right through heaven. It comes right out of God. God has it in him. Jesus has it in him. And that's the same life he gave to you. So that's overcoming life, resurrection life, devil defeating life. That's healing life. It's a spiritual substance. It's what's in God. It's a spiritual a reality. You got that life on the inside of you. And that life is the light. Come on, that's how you get lit. You got that life in you, it lights you. Come on, you go to the grocery store, wherever you go, you're lit, man. How many ever ran into somebody else that was lit? You knew when you saw them, they're carrying that life. I know who that person is right there. They're carrying that life. They're lit. I see it in their eyes. I see it on their countenance. And the rest of the people just walking around in the dark. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. They still worried about Democrats and Republicans. I don't know. Democrat, Republican, I don't know. They're still thinking about what's COVID? COVID, what's COVID doing? Do we still need a mask or not? I need another mask. I don't know. What's the next thing coming? I'm getting ready for the next thing right now. Listen, you, you nitwit. Come on. You don't have to get ready for the next thing that's coming around. You got the life of God on the inside of you. Man, have eternal life. Come on, they're liable to give you some cure that's worse than the disease. I'm not calling any names because they might, you know, they attack you if you use the wrong name. They got a little name there. They give you one of them. And you're like, 
I don't know. I'm not going to die what I thought I was going to die, but I think I'm dying of something else right now. Come on. We got the cure, man. We got the cure. Come on. We got the cure. The same life that's in Christ, the same anointing that's in Christ. Come on now. Glory to God. That's eternal life. It is that life. It is that life. It is that life that makes you a new creature in Christ. Oh, things have passed away. Everything has become new. So what's your confession? Your, your confession, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You think Jesus died in the suffering of the cross? Died, buried, raised from the dead and said, I, I sure hope that makes you feel better on Monday's coast. It was literally hell for me, uh, but I, I hope you feel better about yourself if you're having an inferiority complex or something like that. If you got the blues because you was a middle child and you didn't get treated right, come on. No, Jesus didn't raise from the dead and say, ah, 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 and limp out of the tomb, you know, and, and got charcoal on his face, you know, and his hair's all messed up, and he's like, ah, ah. That was a hell of a mess. I'm telling you, I went through that. No, no. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, all power. And, you know, he said, all power. Come on, that means if he got all of it, the devil don't have none of it. If he got all of it, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Go in my name. Woo! Glory to God. Sit back down just for a minute. What time is it, man? You, gotta, you still got to preach your sermon, you know that. Yeah, this is the order. <laughs> if any man, anybody, Africa, India, South America, come on. I used to have a guy on my staff, you know, he's a great guy. He pastors in Fort Worth now named Perfetto. Pastor Perfetto, doing a great job, a great man of God. But he is a, he is a, he was a Mexican. Mexican. And uh, somebody swam across the river, and his wife was Puerto Rican. Now, she didn't identify with the Mexican part. She's like, I am Puerto Rican. I'm not sure how much better that is. If you Puerto Rican, come on now, then... You ain't no Mexican. <laughs> what difference it make whether you Mexican or Puerto Rican or Venezuelan? Come on now. Come on. Or what country in Africa? 38 tribes, 2,000 languages. Come on now. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Everything has become new.
So I'd be preaching. And <laughs> Perfetto, you know, he moved into a nicer neighborhood, you know, got him a nice home in a nicer neighborhood. Well, you know, some people can be cruel, you know. So people would drive by and they'd holler out, you know, holler out things at him, you know. And uh, so I'd start preaching. I said, you belong in that neighborhood. Don't let nobody tell you you can't live in that neighborhood. Did the devil intimidate you or torment you? If they keep hollering at you, you buy their house next. So our, our, our church is fully interracial, you know, because I just, I just like every, everybody. So I fully interracial, man. I mean, it's like we got people all kinds of places that come in there. And I'm like, good to see you, man. So I told Perfetto, I was preaching. I said, you. See who you are in Christ, and you forget you're Mexican. Are y'all still here? Some of y'all need to forget your natural identity and say, let me tell you who I am. I am who God made me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who I am. Don't be telling me. Put me in some category. Glory to God. Come on, you white trash. Listen, don't you let nobody. <laughs> well, they say you trailer trash. Come on. So don't you let nobody tell you who you are. Your identification is so strong, you cannot be intimidated. Go ahead and laugh about that. I say you cannot be intimidated. Come on, you ain't better than nobody, but there ain't nobody better than you neither. I'm just telling that. So if any man be in Christ, imagine that being the terminology that the Apostle Paul got from Jesus. Come on, Paul spent about three years in the wilderness of Arabia. And Jesus must have come and talked to him time and again and showed him what happened on the cross, showed him what happened in the resurrection. Come on. It'd be kind of like Moses, you know, and he's in a tent in Genesis chapter one. God says, you want me to show you what happened in creation? Moses, that'd be cool. <laughs> Come on, Moses wrote Genesis chapter one. How did he write it? He wasn't there. God must have showed him. I wonder what God could show you. I wonder what God. I, I wonder what God could show you of what, what happened on the cross and what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. wonder if God could show you who you are. Come on. And you come out of your bedroom lit, man. You're like, glory to God. I just saw myself made alive together with Christ. Whoa, glory. If any man be in Christ, yes. 
So one writer says, you got in Christed. You've been in Christed. And he's everything that happened in Christ now belongs to you. Everything God put in Christ now, he put it in you. So it is the life of Christ or this life that makes you a new creature. You're talking about your faith being bold. Come on, when you see who you are in Christ, you just won't let the devil do some things. You say, no, you ain't going to do that. You ain't doing that around here. Come on, I got authority over all devils, you know, in the name of Jesus. So, so your acknowledgement of who you are in Christ, and it is that life, it was that life that made Jesus different than everybody else. They said, what kind of man is this? He's like, he's just a man with the life of God. He's going to walk on the water. Uh, I was driving through St. Louis years ago, and I heard this preacher on the radio. And we were driving through St. Louis. We had a motorhome back in those days. And I was driving through St. Louis. Heard this preacher on the radio, and he said, Jesus was poor. He said, and people today, believers, it's, you can be poor. He said, Jesus was poor. He said, he, he was so poor that he had to borrow a boat to preach out of. He was so poor. I'm driving. I'm like, hey, you idiot. Come on. I said, a man that can walk on the water don't have to borrow no boat, I can tell you that. The only reason he borrowed that boat is he filled it up for him after he bought it. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, poor Jesus. He was so poor. He got buried. Come on, this is one of them sniffing sermons. Like, he got buried in a borrowed tomb. I said, well, that don't mean he was poor just because he was buried in a borrowed tomb. It's a bad investment to buy a tomb for three days. Come on, it's so hard to find rent a tomb. I mean, you can't find rent a tomb nowhere. Tell people I'm only going to use it for three days. I don't want to have to buy the thing. Come on, how many of y'all like to go down to the cemetery and say, I don't really want to buy a plot, but I'd like to use one maybe for a few months until the trumpet sounds and I'm coming up out of here, baby. <laughs> I ain't going to need that no more. So let's just kind of get a monthly rental type thing. I don't need to buy no tune. We ought to start a business called Rent a Tune. For spirit-filled Christians. For Christians first. Until the rapture. Just make payments until the rapture, then you won't need it no more. Need to buy an old tune. True story. I was we were driving. I that guy was preaching. And he said, "Poor Jesus, he got so poor, he got buried in a borrowed tomb." I thought, "Lord have mercy." 
All right, now we've got one in Christ scripture so far. We got one, like one major one. And it is this life that makes you a new creature. The word new really means new in kind or new in quality. It literally means unheard of before. So this is beyond, come on now, caterpillar butterfly deal. I know you can sing about that if you want, but this really is beyond that. I mean, you know, if, you, if that helps you in some way, go ahead and work with it. But I'm just saying, being a new creature in Christ, I mean, there ain't no worm left in you. Come on now. And you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't just get some wings to go on your little worm there, you know, and you got the little, all them little legs down there. No, no. God didn't use nothing in you to produce you. And when he used what was in Christ to produce you. Come on now, we are the triumphant church. We're not the victim church, you know. Amen. Yes. Amen. This life in him, in Christ, in him was life. And that life, everybody say, that life. Woo! Boy, that's what scared the devil is, that life. The devil cannot dominate any person that has this life. The devil cannot dominate any man, any woman, nobody. Now, come on, you may be a granny. Have we got any grannies in here? Come on, you may be a grandpa. Come on, I'm a grandpa. Come on, you might have a million in the bank and you might have 20 bucks in the bank. But the devil cannot dominate any person that has eternal life. I said he cannot dominate you. Come on. He can make you think that way. And he say, if you're the son, you say, I ain't no if around here. I am a child of God. I am saved. I am born again. I am a new creature. No if. Give me no if. So Dad Hagen said it this way. I love this. Because this, this really message changed my life. Because you find the in Christ scriptures. And then you make a bold confession. And so Dad Hagen said, you hold fast to your confession. Are y'all still with me here? He said, even if failure is on all four corners. Now, don't y'all act so holy, but there's been some times that you saw failure on all four corners. He said, but you hold fast to your confession of faith. Come on, no matter what you're going through, no matter what things look like, what's your confession? Hold fast, hold on tight. He wouldn't tell you to hold on tight. Come on, unless it's the key to your victory. What's your confession? All right. That life in a man is the crowning achievement of the plan of redemption. Hallelujah. In other words, everything Jesus did, everything from the incarnation to the cross to the resurrection, everything he did with that goal was to take a human 
that was dead. Come on, he didn't say you were sick. He said you was dead. Dead in trespasses and sins, but he made you alive together with Christ. So Jesus didn't come just to give you forgiveness. Forgiveness is wonderful, but he said, I came that you might have this life. He that hath the Son hath this life. If you have this life, it is a spiritual substance. I said it's a spiritual reality, but it's also a spiritual substance. Now I'm going to show you the spiritual substance. Like I can feel it in my hand right now. So while I'm laying hands on him, that life goes right out of my hand. It feels, it feels like electricity to me. I'm sorry. He, he's, a, he's a good drinker, so I thought I would. I said it feels like electricity to me. It comes right out of me and goes right into him. He'll receive it. Now, I could lay hands on somebody, and it would go right back into my hand. I could feel it go back. That life. So it's a spiritual <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's a spiritual substance. Jesus said the Father has it in him. I have it in me. And I came to make sure you have it in you. This life. Once you got this life, you can have a drink of it. You can have a little bit of it. Or you can have rivers of it coming out of your belly of this life. Life like rivers flowing out of your belly. Come on, imagine what's happening when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Life flowing, spiritual life, the God kind of life. Woo, devil defeating life. Come on, sickness dissolving life. That life is in the word. That life is in the spirit of God. That life on the inside of you. So I got the life. I got the lie. Come on, the doctor might have said, you should have been dead three years ago, you said, but, but I got the life. I tell you this, I got the life of God. I got the life of God on the inside of me. Come on, you, they, they already been planning my funeral, but I got the life of God on the inside of me. Come on, that's in my spirit, it's in my soul, in my body. Come on, it's in my heart, my lungs. Come on, it's in my kidneys. Come on, I got the life on the inside. I got the life of God on the inside of me. I got the life of Christ on the inside. Out of me. The same life, same identical life. Woo, you ought to thank God for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Same life. Boy, when you got this life, man, your picture goes up in the post office in hell. Try to stop them. Come on, because your picture's in there. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Come on. Come on, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ is a group picture. 
If you've ever been in a group picture, the first thing you look for is yourself. Let's try that again. I said, first thing you're going to have to look for is say, ah, there I am right there. Oh, that's me. Oh, come on now, going from the cross. Come on, going through the burial. Now made alive. I'm looking better already. Made alive, raised up, seated together with me. Y'all should laugh about that. Come on, it'd take 52, 52 Sundays for me to preach on this. 52 Sundays, at least 52 Sundays. And, and we're just now on our second scripture tonight. And yet some people, some people, they, you tell them, uh, preach on who you are in Christ, they go, I, I don't know if I have enough material. That I got finished in 15 minutes. No, when you understand what happened, you're like, uh, how many hours you're going to give me to cover this? <laughs> Amen. This, this ain't just for church. I said, this ain't just for church. Come on, I sit my kids down, my grandkids, and I tell them the same stuff I'm telling you. I said, now you better get this because the world will challenge your identity. Come on, nowadays the people in school, they challenge some little kid's identity. You know, they're like six years old. Some people ought to be put in jail for that kind of stuff. Come on. When I had my kids, I mean, Aaron, we had Aaron first. And I said, boy, you play with trucks. We're going to go deer hunting and you're going to play with trucks. Amen. Amen. And the girl. Yeah, Aaron's first. I said, you're going to play ball. We get in the backyard and we play football. He'd be about, you know, three or four years old. We're going to play ball. He'd get the ball. He'd run. I'd knock him down. I said, get up. See, Trina, she wouldn't even watch it. She's like, oh. I said, I'm his daddy. I said, let me talk to him. She says, try it again. Pooh, I knock him down. I said, get up, boy. What's the matter with you, man? <laughs> what you crying about? Act like a man. I know you're only five years old, but act like a man. <laughs> huh? You ain't playing with no dolls around here, boy. <laughs> In other words, it's not just for church. I mean, you have to teach your children, your grandchildren, who Jesus is, what he's done, who they are in him. Amen? Hallelujah. Go ahead and laugh for me and say, ha, ha, ha. All right, I'm just going to give you one more tonight. What time is it? All right. I'm just going to give you one more tonight. Are you leaving? Okay, I'm just checking. So, I, so I'm just giving you one more. 
come right back. You know, you got to hold up one finger if you're walking out. You plan on coming back. That means I'm going to go in the bathroom. I ain't mad. I'll be right back. Just hold up one finger. Don't hold up two because then we'll wonder what you're going to be doing. So. So. Let's see if we could use uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14. I don't know. Y'all, that's too much for y'all. That's too much for y'all. Man, y'all be tearing up chairs and everything. And throw. <laughs> I said, y'all be tearing everything up. Say, my God. Wow, man. Praise the Lord. Uh, come on, we're fixing to have a celebration. Hallelujah. For the triumph of Christ. <laughs> Woo! Now, now. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. Hey, got a holy roller. We already got one holy roller. Ha ha. Come on, if you can't get happy over the word, we just can't help you. You just got to get happy over the word. Don't have to have the band playing all the time. Now, thanks be unto God. Now, thanks be unto God. Come on, let's try that again. Now, thanks be unto God. Now, thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Now thanks be unto God. Come on now, thanks be unto God. Who always, always causes me to triumph in Christ. <laughs> I right, sit back down, sit back down. Always causes us to triumph. Hey, hey, that's some really good translations of that, but just the King James is enough to make you shout for a while. Always causes me to triumph in Christ. My triumph is connected to his triumph. The word triumph really just means a, a parade or a celebration after the victory. It's a celebration. So y'all did hear about that monk that was living in that monastery. That monk's living in that monastery. and He'd been living in there for years, alone, trying to be holy. The monk in that monastery. And one day he went down into the basement. He studied the original manuscripts. And he looked in the original manuscripts of the scriptures. And they heard him scream. 
and he screamed, ah, it's celebrate. All those years he'd been living celibate. And the original translation was celebrate. I, I don't know, Justin might need to hear this. All those years, all those years been living alone. Come on now. All those years have been living alone. And the original translation didn't say be celibate. It said celebrate to celebrate. <laughs> man, even your chickens will be happy when you get married, man, I'm telling you. I just, I just come here to preach just to have fun because y'all have more fun. I mean, I'm just like, man, well, it's the best church in America right here. Right? right? You think that may be the best? I mean, uh, yours or Kenneth's, I don't know. might be Kenneth's. I don't know. Might be. <laughs> second best. But I got faith. Now, thanks be unto God. Who always now, when I was 17, that's one of my favorite scriptures. Usually, if you ask me my favorite in Christ scripture, it would be 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Well, I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Knock you for a loop. Y'all still here? Colossians 1.12 through 14, I'll knock you for a loop. Romans 8, 2 will knock you for a double loop. It's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Come on, you quit making swimming motions and you started swimming, man, I'm telling you. Come on, you started swimming now. You're on top of the situation. You ain't sinking no more, hallelujah. The law of the spirit of life. In other words, the kingdom of God runs on certain spiritual law. So you could say the law of this spiritual life, the law of the spirit of life. Spiritual life in Christ and the laws that operate that life have made me free from the law of sin and death. Man, once you understand the law of the spirit of life, it's all in Romans chapter 8. You say, well, how am I going to see it? Read Romans chapter 8, 38 times. Amen. Read Romans chapter 8. Read the whole chapter. Read it all again. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Amen. You through the Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, the law of that life lifts me out. Come on, if you feel like you're down and you're under, the law of this life lifts me out. Come on, on Wednesday morning. Come on, my jet's coming in to pick me up. Every time we take off. 
You know, and people will say, I sure wish the sun was shining today. It does. I say, it's shining, I guarantee you. When I get about 3,000 feet, you're going to see the most beautiful sunshine you've ever seen in your life. So a lot of people say, well, I wish then. All things are different. You just got to get the law of the spirit of life that lifts you out. Amen. Man, we'll lift off. Amen. Everything looks different up there. Well, my, my mom and my daddy went to be with the Lord, but before my mama passed away, I got my first airplane. And I put my mama, I said, Mama, let me, I'm going to fly you over here to come see me, Mama. You're going to fly you on no driving, just fly you over. And we went up, went through the clouds, and a little bump, you know, go through the clouds. Boom, 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 boom. She, she just started laughing. <laughs> She didn't get all, you know, holding on like, oh, she wasn't afraid. Of, ha, 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 ha. I said, imagine, Mama, when you go to heaven, you lift off. You go right through the clouds. past the planets. You go to the third heaven. Come on, you know, heaven's a real place now. I said, heaven's a real place. Huh? Amen. Amen. You're going to have to go to class in heaven if you don't pay attention down there. Well, everybody else flying around, you have to come to class. The Lord said, go to class. You don't pay attention. You don't even know how you got here. It is. The law of the spirit of life literally says, lifts me out. Still down there. Come on, it's real. People say, the struggle, the struggle is real. Yeah, your breath is real. Listen, the struggle is real. Yeah. Well, there's no question the struggle is real. But there is this other law that lifts you out. Come on, it's real down there, but it ain't real up here, baby. What's, the, what's up here is the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Woo! Come on. So have you ever read John G. Lake's life story when South Africa, bubonic plague, and people were dying? It's all contagious, you know? And, and so they said, well, how come you're not afraid? He said, he said, you take that bloody froth off of somebody's mouth. You put it on my hand, and you get a microscope. And you tell me what happened. And so they took that contagious frog, put it on his hand. <laughs> they said, what's happening? He said, every one of them die when they touch you. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's just walk around and say, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, somebody sneezes on you or something. You're like, ah, you're supposed to be six feet away from me. Come on, I was, in a, I was in a store, you know, and, 
And they had the little, like, little circle, you know, where you're supposed to be standing, like six feet, six feet, six feet. And, and I don't know. I wasn't paying attention, you know. So I was waiting in line, you know. And, and so I got off of my dot, you know. I got off of my space. I got off my space, and I'm like, and the lady in front of me, she turned around, she went, I thought, what is wrong with her? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I got off my dot. I wasn't even thinking, I'm so sorry. I said, but I actually am contagious. I said, you might want to catch what I got. I said, I'm, I'm contagious. You might want to catch what I got. I, I got the life of God on the inside of me. Man, I lay hands on you, and that stuff will die when it touches you. And the, this life. Woo. Hallelujah. Know who you are in Christ. Amen. Don't let nobody talk you out of it. Praise the Lord. Woo! Man, I still got like six more pages. Man, y'all better get this book. I'm telling you, you better get this book. I mean, just quotes. I mean, you could just take one quote and think about it for 20 years. You'd be like, you know, like that president that he said he smoked marijuana, but he did not inhale. <laughs> I don't want to tell you who it was, was it? but you probably know who I'm talking about. That he said, I did, I did, I did smoke marijuana, but I did not inhale. I laughed when he said that. I was a lad. He smoked marijuana. He did not inhale. Well, how did you do that? I mean, you're sitting in a group and somebody gave you one, you know, and, and you like put it up and you was just going to act like it. So you just held it in your mouth. You did not inhale. Come on to you. The person next to you, they inhale. They just went. I said that happens in church all the time. People sit there, you can't get them to inhale. They go, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, but if you ever get anybody to inhale, they're like, Lord, I got us. I'm starting to feel it now, baby. I just inhale the life of God. Come on, I'm starting to feel that life. We call that the most high. Like, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ha, 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 ha. So the angel had to come and get the apostles out of prison, Acts chapter 5, verse 20. And the angel, imagine an angel with God. That angel saw what happened when Adam sinned and he died. 
he saw him die spiritually. And the devil could not dominate Adam until he died. And imagine that angel seeing what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead and made alive. And imagine that angel seeing what happened on the day of Pentecost. Come on and imagine that angel that has to go let these apostles out of prison. And he says, uh, you think I could maybe tell them something? Would you like for me to tell them something? Yeah, God says, yeah, you tell them. Go and stand in the temple and speak all the words of this life. Go tell them about this life. Tell them about this life. Tell them about this life. Come on. Tell them about the life that Christ came to bring. Tell them about this life that raised Jesus from the dead. Tell them about this life that comes in the spirit of every believer. Tell them about this life. And tell them, go stand and tell everybody about the life. Tell them about that life. Come on, don't just give them a bunch of, you know. Tell them about the life. So where are you going to get this life? He that hath the son hath this life. Come on. John said, I've written these things to you so you can know. You have this life, eternal life. Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and laugh for a few minutes. I got this life. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. What's in that life? Come on, brother. Come on, it's love life. It's the love of God. It's joy life. It'll make you happy. Come on. It's peace life. You won't be upset and frustrated all the time. It's healing life that'll drive sickness out of your body. It's blessing life so you'll never be poor another day the rest of your life. Come on, it's the life of God is what it is. It's overcoming life. Then you want this book? There you go. You kept raising your hand. You got the book. Now you got to read it. So there you go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's make a confession of faith if, if you want to. Just follow me. You say, I'm a new creature in Christ. New kind, new in quality, unheard of before. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. I have the life of God, the God kind of life. The same life that's in God. Spiritual life. Spiritual substance that's in God, that's in Christ, is in me right now. The very life of God. That life is what makes me a new creation. I said, it's that life makes me a new creature. It's that life that makes me a new creature. So it is. Resurrection life. 
It's already been to hell and back. Hell couldn't hold it. Come on, death couldn't hold it. That's the kind of life I got. I've got eternal life. The God kind of life. It's resurrection life. It's the God kind of life. It's overcoming life. It's healing life. It's victory life. I got the life of Christ. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I got the life of Christ. God made me alive together with Christ. He gave me the very same life, the same identical life that he gave to Christ. What it did in Christ, it does in me. I've got that life in me. That life. Triumphant life. Victory life. Celebration life. Heaven's life. Joy life. Love life. The very life of God is in me right now. That life increases my intellect. It makes me smarter. <laughs> that life quickens my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. My brain, my eyes, my teeth, my mouth, my lungs, my heart, my kidneys, my liver, my pancreas, my stomach, my intestines, my bones, my toes, my hands. I got this life, quickens my body, drives sickness out of my body. I am alive. I am healed. I have the life of God. Oh, I got the God kind of life in me. All right, all right. So, uh, you know, when I was in school, it's probably not as bad as it is today, but when I was in biology class, I was in biology class, and uh, I, I actually was looking through an old uh, picture from, it would be like 1970 or something. That's a little while ago. I was in biology class, a guy named Mr. Cates, you know, and he smoked a lot and he coughed all the time, so he's an unusual character. But biology, he introduced the subject, and there's probably about 30 of us in there, and he said, biology is a study of living things. In this class, we are going to study living things. And then he said, and there's two kinds of living things. He said, there's plants and there's animals, two kinds. He said, in the plants, you have the plant kingdom and you have plant life. The animals, you have the animal kingdom and you have animal life. Every living thing is either a plant or an animal. So he said, how many of y'all are plants? And nobody raised their hand. 
How many of y'all are animals? Then he said, how many of y'all are alive? So he kept working the class until everybody raised their hand but me. and said that they were animals. He worked the class. You weren't in there. So he said, everybody, he worked the class until everybody. <laughs> I know you're going back further than that, but anyway. So, <laughs> so he kept working the class till everybody raised their hand. Except for me, I wouldn't raise my hand. So it irritated him. He said, I'd be, I'd be sitting back there. And he said, Mr. Hankins. He said, Mr. Hankins, are you a plant? And I said, no, sir. Then you must be an animal. I said, no, sir. He said, then what are you? I said, well, I'm not a plant. I'm not an animal. I said, I'll tell you what I am. I am a spirit being made in the image of God. And I have the life of God. And that's a new kingdom life. Amen. It's a new kind of life. Amen. Well, that really irritated me. He said, ah, Mr. Hankins, <laughs> we are not talking about religion. <laughs> that's, right. that's what he said. And I said, neither am I. Come on now, you ain't no plants, you ain't no animal. Come on now, you ain't no chimpanzee. Come on, come on. <laughs> You are a spirit made the image of God. Come on, you got the life of God on the inside of you. And nobody tell you some sort of a. That's who I am. My spirit is alive. Came straight from God. It's the life of the kingdom of God. Ha ha. Well, let's lift our hands. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is forever settled in heaven. Woo, you sent your word, and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Your word is full of life. Woo, life, full of life, full of power. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He quickens my body. Life flows in my body. The same spirit dwells in me. And his life, the life of God, is in me now. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I'm a new creature. I'm in Christ. I'm in the anointed one. I have his anointing. It's in me and on me. Thank you for the anointing. A fresh anointing. That your word is anointed. I mix faith with your word. I receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The same anointing that's in Christ dwells in me. Thank you, Lord. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I see myself in Christ, made alive, raised up, and seated together with him in heavenly places, far above every devil under my feet. 
victory is mine. So I can rejoice. I can laugh. Healing is mine. Blessing is mine. I am in Christ. I'm joined to him. And the law of that life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Go ahead and shout like you're free. In the name of Jesus, I'm free. Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you might need to take a message like this, not just this one, but whatever, something like this, and listen to it, you know, about 50 times. Uh, I mean, on my phone, I have messages on my phone. I have some from Dad Hagen. I've listened to hundreds of times. Same one. I know that there's a bunch of them, but I'm not trying to get all of them. You just give me one. All right, y'all still with me here. If I can just get that one. Come on, I'll work with the rest of them later, but I'm going to have to get this one. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not more to learn. I'm just saying, but I'm going to have to get this one here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you just listen to it over and over. Whatever minister your spirit. And the Lord reminds you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, did you have fun tonight? Well, we're going to receive the offering. And now if you can't shout about the offering, then I ain't coming back. I ain't coming back. I ain't coming back tomorrow night. I ain't coming back. Come on. I'm going to stay at my hotel and go swimming. Hallelujah. So everybody take an offering envelope. I guess the ushers have some here. Pass them out if you don't have one. If you can give by cash, check, or credit card. Use the envelope if you would, please. It helps the office to identify what's happening. And if you're making out a check, you can make it to MHM or to Mark Hankins Ministries. MHM, and you say, well, what's going to happen? Well, all the money goes to doing what I call a possession with intent to distribute. <laughs> in other words, to distribute the word. And so not just in America, but also many other countries. Uh, our, our latest project is the language of Farsi for Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. And so we'll be going there. We're already distributing the book to pastors on who they are in Christ. Woo! Man. Come on. Amen. That's more powerful than anything the, the U.S. Army's got or Air Force, and that's the gospel. Amen. So it's free, but somebody's got to distribute it, you know. In other words, it's free. You just gotta, somebody's got to get it printed, published, and pass it out. So that's why we're building our conference center. Um, we've made tremendous progress on the conference center. Um, probably 85% finished. We spent over two and a half million cash. Amen. And so we just need about another, I don't know. They tell me different numbers all the time. I'm just guessing maybe 500,000. All it takes 500,000 is for 500 people give it up. Amen. And if you couldn't give a thousand, you could give a dollar a day for three years. That'd be a thousand. Got quiet in here now, didn't it? She said, "I can't give no thousand, but you give a dollar a day at three hundred sixty-five, three hundred sixty-five. 
<laughs> You'd be a thousand dollar giver. Yeah. Come on, the ministries, you know, that we support, and I could give them, you know, 20 a month or 100 a month or 1,000 a month. Well, if I do that for 40 years, <laughs> amen. And so we thank you for your partnership, your pastors, our monthly partners, very faithful, very faithful. They don't miss anything. So I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been a blessing to our lives from the time we, we first met you and got to be friends. You've been a blessing. And then Pastor Kenneth, he's a monthly part. Yeah. Amen. So it's good to be a partner however you can, whenever you can. But it's somebody that will do something every month, you know. If you've got 20 employees, you know, they really like to be paid more than once a month. That's true. You could start telling them, ah, we only pay, you know. No, they get paid usually every two weeks. Right? And so the, the, the weekly bill becomes more than, than uh, when we started, more than we even made. It's just the weekly uh, paying the people, you know. <laughs> like, and that, that happens every seven days. I said, that happens every seven days. Like every seven days, you know, they, you got to pay them again. I mean, it's like maybe they could like last for a few months, but every seven days you just got to <laughs> pay them again. <laughs> but we need them, amen, because they help us publish, distribute, Come on, getting books, getting them in different languages, getting them in different nations and stuff like that. So we thank you for your partnership and um, uh, faithful partnership. And whenever you give, if you go to give a dollar, if you give $2, it all adds up. Come on, give $10, it all adds up. Come on, so don't think that's not enough. You know, say, well, that ain't enough. Yeah, man, if you just get enough people to give $10 a month, I mean. Yeah, so you could do that. And, and I like to tell people, show me your partnership, I'll show you your future. Amen. In other words, there's so, so many connections there uh, through uh, faithful partnership. So thank you for your partnership. And Kenneth, Lynette, I mean, we were just at their church, and they've been partners for many years, very faithful. Even when they didn't have no money, he was, he was digging around in the trunk, you know, trying to find a quarter so he could give something. <laughs> But he'd give. He'd always give. So now they're, they're up and running, praise the Lord. Amen. So, so thank you, everybody. I don't want to miss anybody, but, you know, thank you so much. And so you say, what does that help us do? Well, the anointing is a blessing, but also you've got to preach the gospel. You know, you've got to distribute the word. So, so we'll bring in a bunch of pastors. You know, if we go to Papua New Guinea, we'll bring in a bunch of pastors. And easily, I could, easily would cost me $100,000. But is it worth it? Yeah, man, they still over there singing the songs, you know. They got the books, you know. Yeah. So it's an investment in people that yeah. maybe won't see them again until we get to heaven. Right. Yeah. Uh, so really poor people. So people say, them preachers, they just always going for the money. Well, I'll go a lot of places. There ain't no money to go for. I'm just telling you, they ain't got no money. <laughs> Amen. But people like yourself, you partner, and that helps us go preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. Amen. So uh, we believe God for all the money for Conference Center and then uh, uh, this, the, the word working uh, on television where you can reach 400 million people with one broadcast. Man, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And so, you know, I'm not like in just one location. But you got like, 
goes all over the place. Wow. Praise the Lord. So once, once you start doing that, then all the partnership and uh, comes in that way. So you, you don't really have to travel out to preach anywhere to get an offering because you already got the money comes in because you're preaching to 400 million people. So I already have enough money. I don't have to come preach here. I didn't come here to get no money. Um, I've had pastors tell me I don't have no money to give you. I said, I don't need no money. I never came for money to start with. I will receive an offering for the gospel, but that ain't for me. That money don't go to me. That money goes to preaching the gospel. Yeah, I got enough money to stay home. I got a swimming pool, grandkids. Amen. But this is a place I would always come back to because they've been a partner so long. So I would always come back here even if you didn't have no money. Are y'all still here? Come on. So I can drive up. Yeah, they got money now, but uh, they didn't start off with much. But I mean, <laughs> you got the word now, man, and the blessing of the Lord. But, uh, you know, once you have friends like that, come on. Even when I get uh, 85 or 90, you know, I may have to come back and preach, you know. That's so right. I, I ain't coming for no offering. I already got so much money already. But there's some people who don't have no money that I need to preach the gospel to. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. So sometimes people give an offer. They say, I wonder how Pastor he bought some new shoes with that. No, I've got like, um, I've got 20 other people i got to pay before I, I couldn't even get a quarter. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So that goes into the ministry. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.